Happy Sabbath. It's been a while since I've been up here to share a message with you. It is a special Sabbath for us today, as five years ago today we uh, welcomed our second son into our lives, Levi. His middle name is Joseph, which he shares with my uncle Joe, who was also born on this day, coincidentally enough, um, who unfortunately we lost a few years ago to cystic fibrosis, but was very influential in my my growing up, so we felt it was fitting that they shared the birthday, that they share the name as well. So if you see him, tell him happy birthday. He'll get a kick out of that. Um, we're going to open up with prayer, and uh, we'll get started here. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this wonderful Sabbath day. We want to pray a special blessing upon your word today. Yeah. May your words come forth from my mouth. And may your spirit open the ears of those listening in the audience that the message may ring true. We also pray for all the congregations that are gathered together right now around the world on your Sabbath day worshiping, that there be a blessing upon them as well. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the title of my sermon today is called The Adventist Trap. But although the content is geared towards an Adventist audience, I think it transcends into many aspects of Christianity as well. Uh, what I want to talk about today is the sin of presumption. And come to learn in my 40 brief years on this planet that 99, chan- 99 times out of 100, when we presume something, we're probably wrong. We make presumptions about people, and we're usually wrong. We make presumptions about how we're supposed to do something if we don't stick to the instructions, and we're uh, most likely wrong. Presumption is a dangerous thing. It can cause us lots of pain. During the Battle of the Wilderness in the Civil War, Union General John Sedgwick was inspecting his troops. At one point, he came to a parapet over which he gazed out in the direction of the enemy. His officers suggested that this was probably not the smartest thing to do and he should probably duck while he was passing by there. Nonsense, snapped the general. They couldn't even hit an elephant at this disc. A moment later, he was on the ground fatally wounded. Presumption is, almost, is also dangerous to us spiritually. The biggest issue with presumption is that we assume to know what God wants, but usually it's from our perspective and not his. This morning I want to look at some biblical examples of presumption, and then we'll talk about how it can become the Adventist trap, as I named this. The first example that we're going to look at is going to be in Genesis, and it's going to take place in chapter 4. And this is the story of Cain and Abel. So if you want to turn with me this morning, we'll have three, three sections that we will look at. And we'll start, like I said, in Genesis. And we're going to read down to verse 5 here. It says, Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she had a son. While the time came, she gave birth to Cain, And she said, With the Lord's help, I have brought forth a man. 
Later, she gave birth to a second son and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain was a farmer. At harvest time, Cain brought to the Lord a gift of his farm produce, while Abel brought several choice lambs from the best of his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and his offering, but he did not accept Cain and his offering. This made Cain very angry and dejected. So God had a specific offering in mind, did he not? Well, what did Cain think? That's not really what God wants. He just wants, he just wants an offering. Well, this is what I do. I garden. I grow vegetables and fruit. That's going to be my offering. He presumed to know what God wanted. Was he right? No. Next, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 19. And this is a story that's also very familiar to us. And this is the story of the rich young man. In Matthew 19, verse 16, is where we'll start. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good things must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. Only God is good. But to answer your question, you can receive eternal life if you keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not testify falsely, Honor your mother and your father, and love your neighbor as yourself. I have obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, I want you to be perfect. Go and sell all you have, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sadly, because he had many possessions. Again, he presumed that God simply wanted obedience to his commandments. But did you notice something about what Jesus used for commandments? He never used the first four. He left that open for interpretation to the young man. And he never said, well, these six I kept, but I've also kept the first four. He missed the point of what God wanted. God doesn't want just obedience to his commandments, does he? There's a reason why we have the commandments. There's a benefit to obedience to them, but that's not the point. And lastly, we're going to go to our scripture reading for today, which was in Luke chapter 18. Verses 9 through 14. Luke 18, 9 through 14. Says, then Jesus told this story to some who had great self-confidence and scorned everyone else. The two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a dishonest tax collector. The proud Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other men. I am not a sinner like everyone else, especially like that tax collector over there. For I never cheat. 
I don't commit adultery. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance. And he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven. Instead, he beat on his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you that this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For the proud will be humbled, but the humble will be honored. Here we, again, we have a man presuming that what he was doing was right. He presumed to know what God wanted, that God wanted him to be this righteous man. He boasts to God that he is very righteous and is very spiritual indeed. He assumes that because he doesn't do the things that the tax collector does, that he is much better off. But he, along with Cain and the rich young ruler, missed the point. They all believed that God wanted only their obedience or that they could show God how loyal they were by assuming that they knew what God really wanted. But there was something that they were all missing. Like I said before, God simply doesn't want, doesn't simply desire obedience to his laws. If this were true, the sacrifice that Christ made would not have been necessary because we simply could get to heaven of our own volition. He desires a relationship with each of his children. He wants us to seek him and to desire a relationship with him as well. So... How is this an Adventist trap? I think sometimes as Adventists, we, we presume like Cain that our offering is sufficient, but yet it's not what God desires. We presume like the Pharisee that we are better than those around us for what we do or don't do, exalting ourselves and not God. And we presume like the rich young ruler that God simply wants obedience to his rules. Oftentimes, I believe as Adventists, we presume that because we have the Sabbath truth revealed to us, that we are better off than others. That we are somehow have an inside track to heaven because we keep the Sabbath. But if we have that thought, are we truly keeping the Sabbath in the way it was meant to be? God set aside this day for us to build our relationship with him, not as a way to work ourselves to heaven. Oftentimes we get caught up in this Adventist trap. We are like the Pharisee, boasting of how we keep the Sabbath so we are not like those other churches out there. But oftentimes those other churches have a relationship that we're probably missing. They keep nine of the Ten Commandments and are blinded to one, where oftentimes we exalt one and are blinded to the other nine. And no one commandment is any more important than the others. Keeping the Sabbath is no more important than not having any other gods before God. Oftentimes, we make the Sabbath out to be a God in that we place its keeping before our relationship with Him. It's no more important than not killing, not stealing, not committing adultery. All ten must be kept in the light of a true heart relationship with God. In fact, when we are in tune with God and have this relationship with Him, we don't even have to think about keeping His commandments, do we? When we're so in tune with how we talked this morning about the moral compass of society, when we're so in tune with 
our fellow man, we don't have to worry about keeping the laws that are on the books. They're there, but I don't have to go up and look up something and say, okay, well, let's see. Oh, nope, can't do that. You're so in tune with God and what he wants that you don't have to look in here and be like, okay, is that, is that allowed? You just know. And you're not assuming anymore. You're not presuming to know what God wants. You know what he wants because you're connected with him. This is what he desires in his people. This is what he desires from his commandments, that we have such a relationship with him that we are harmoniously and passionately keep his commandments without a second thought. The Sabbath is an incredible blessing, but I think sometimes, and I know I've done it myself, we become like the Pharisee and put so many burdens and restrictions on it or exalt it to such a place that it becomes the most important thing that we forget about that relationship with God. And I am definitely not here to to bash the Sabbath. It is a wonderful blessing. It is fantastic. But I think for us to truly get the blessing out of this day, we need to keep it in the way God intended. And we look back to the Garden of Eden where he came to Adam and Eve and spent that time with them. And I think that is the greatest blessing that we have in this day is that we can forget about everything. We forget about work. We can forget about our bills. We can concentrate on building our and our family's spiritual relationship with the God of the universe that wants to spend time with us. A being that is in control of an entire universe and planets but would stop everything he's doing to spend time with us individually. Even if we were the only person to worship God, he would take that time to spend with us. That's a humbling thought. Because there's not many presidents or kings or people that are in ruling positions in this world that would stop to spend time with a, a commoner, if you will. And that's how I consider myself in the kingdom of heaven. I'm a commoner. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to be there. The only reason I'm there is because of that. That's the only reason I'm going to be there. And the fact that I desire, that God put the desire in me to draw me towards him and build that relationship. You think oftentimes, and I've done it myself, missed Miss the boat because I'm worried too much about the do's and the don'ts on the Sabbath. The only true do for the Sabbath is that we spend time with God and build and strengthen that relationship with Him. Only then are we going to be able to avoid the Adventist trap and receive the true blessing from this wonderful day. Only then are we going to be able to pass that blessing on to our friends in other denominations that may be missing this blessing. And I think there's times that we can obviously learn from them as well. You know, there's going to be a lot of surprises when, when Christ comes back as to who's there and there's going to be some surprises to who's not. And I pray today that none of us get there and look around in surprise and don't see someone that we were 
worshiping with for a long time. And God doesn't want that either. I pray that we can avoid this Adventist trap, keep the Sabbath in the way it was intended, share the blessing of this day with those around us, share the, the rest and the peace that you just don't get on any other day. It's, I want to share a little story. I don't know if, if they're here and I don't see Jane, but I was talking to her this week because they live right over by the festival foods that I work at. And she said, it's amazing. The best days that Sam has right now are Sabbaths. Those are his best days of the week. That can't be a coincidence. And I want to close with a, with a prayer that we just refocus. I know we're starting to do the, the ladies' devotional and we're starting up the men's devotional and, and all these things, but that we truly just come together and seek God in all of these endeavors that we have and the Bible studies that we give and the witnessing that we do to our friends, our families, people we don't know, neighbors, and just help them to see the blessing that we have in our relationship with God and to strengthen our own relationship with Him because the more you witness and the more we're able to show people the blessings, the more it strengthens our relationship. And it's not, it's hard to do too because a lot of times people think that once you become a Christian, it's all unicorns and rainbows, for lack of a better term. (laughs) But it's not. But we have a God there that we can always depend on, who has never let us down yet, who's never going to let us down, and better times are coming. It's going to get worse before it gets better. That's a reality. We know that. We especially know that. That the end of time is going to come and it's going to be worse than before it gets better. But once it gets better, we don't ever have to worry about it again. Sin will be eradicated and we will no longer have to worry about it. We won't have to worry about losing loved ones. We can just spend our time concentrated on, on worshiping God and I know that there'll be quite a few years that he'll be bugged by my oldest son asking him questions about sea animals. So it's a good thing he's got eternity because he's got a lot of questions. But uh, I'd like to close with, with prayer and then we will do our, our closing song, which is all the way, I believe. So, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for all the blessings. We want to thank you for the struggles that help us realize our blessings. You know, sometimes when we're in the midst of them, we don't understand, but we want to thank you for your commandments. We want to thank you for the fact that you want to spend time with us, that you sent sent your son as a sacrifice so that we may live life abundantly with you. We pray that you help us to strengthen our relationships individually and as a church family and be able to pass on, especially in these rough times that are coming ahead, the good news that is your gospel. The good news that is the fact that you want to spend eternity with each and every one of your creation. That you hope, that you wish no one would perish. 
that you draw all those that you can to your beautiful presence. We want to thank you again for this wonderful Sabbath day. I thank you for the blessings that it holds. Pray that we are able to fully embrace everything that it entails. We ask now for, again, for a special blessing to those around the world who are gathered and and honoring your day and you. We ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just ask again for your blessing as we go about the rest of this day and the weeks ahead. We pray that uh, we remember your promises, that we remember that you are our protecting Father and that better days are ahead. And we ask this all in your precious name. Amen.